You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. Since the early 1980s, Bahai students have been banned from pursuing higher education in Iran. A 1991 government memorandum made it formal state policy. Bahai students must be barred from Iranian universities or expelled once it becomes known that they are Bahais. Of course, the Bahais in Iran have turned to the government to address the injustices they face. Yet even when officials want to help the Bahais, they report that their hands are tied. The mandate to persecute Bahais comes from the very top, they say. Against this backdrop of oppression, a remarkable story has unfolded over the past three decades. It's the story of the Bahai Institute for Higher Education, or BIHE, as it's come to be known. Thirty years ago, in an effort to respond to persecution, the Iranian Baha'i community organized an informal university program that operated in living rooms and basements throughout the country. In the early days, the instructors were Baha'i professors who had themselves been barred from working in universities because of their faith. Over the decades, thanks to advances in technology, BIHE's faculty has come to include academics from around the world. Those who offer their expertise and knowledge have witnessed firsthand the students' high ideals and commitment to the pursuit of knowledge. Since its inception, BIHE has helped educate thousands of individuals. Many have gone on to pursue their graduate studies abroad. Around 100 universities have accepted BIHE students into their programs. Equally remarkable, many of the graduates who complete their postgraduate studies abroad return to Iran to be of service to their nation. BIHE is an example of a distinctive approach the Baha'i community has adopted to respond to injustice. This approach has come to be known as constructive resilience. Diane Alai, representative of the Baha'i international community to the United Nations in Geneva, explains. The word resilience is used more and more. I think that this has come a term that is actually very often used in discourses, particularly in political discourses. But I think the term constructive resilience is still something that has been not fully explored yet. Of course, there have been academic um, essays about it. But I think that this is something that we're trying to understand better as we observe particularly the response of the Baha'i community in Iran to oppression. And in fact, in a letter that was dated 23 June 2009, addressed by the Universal House of Justice to the Baha'is of Iran, the House of Justice indicates that, in fact, the Baha'is in Iran have demonstrated that the proper response to oppression is neither to succumb in resignation nor to take on the characteristics of the oppressor. Despite efforts by the Iranian authorities to disrupt BIHE's operation by raiding hundreds of Baha'i homes and offices associated with it, confiscating study materials, and arresting and imprisoning dozens of lecturers, it has grown significantly over the past three decades. It relies on a variety of knowledgeable individuals both in and outside of Iran to enable youth to study a growing number of topics in the material and social sciences as well as the arts. Overall, not only has BIHE survived 30 years, it has thrived. Baha'i youth, for now over two decades, almost three decades, have not been allowed to enter Iranian universities. The Baha'is have tried to think of how to respond to this organized impoverishment of the Baha'i community, state-organized impoverishment of the Baha'i community. And therefore, they have started to do a very, very grassroots activity which is really to 
start with the university professors in Iran who were also expelled from teaching in the Iranian universities because they were Baha'is, and have these professors help the Baha'i students in the living rooms, in the kitchen of people's homes, of Baha'i's homes, to continue and pursue their higher education. And this system, of course, with also the modern technology that has improved and the access to internet and things like that has developed. And we know that we have this online university with the help of university professors around the world who are not necessarily Baha'is, but who want to combat this oppression also themselves in a very positive manner in helping these Baha'i students to be able to study. And of course, with also the help of universities around the world who then recognize the degree. Of course, that degree is still not recognized in Iran, but to help them so these students can also continue to pursue their studies abroad, having their first degree at BIHE recognized. Studying at BIHE is not easy. Because it's not a public university, there is no funding available, and many students hold down full-time jobs. Students often have to travel across the country to go to monthly classes in major cities. Sometimes they commute from a home on one side of the city to the other in the middle of the day because these are the only spaces available to hold classes. Despite these logistical challenges, students meet high academic standards. Salim Vayankur is the coordinator of Education is Not a Crime, a human rights campaign that brings attention to the denial of education to the Baha'is in Iran. He talks about BIHE and how it began as a response to persecution. From the interviews that I was very privileged to be able to conduct with Iranian Baha'is who are outside Iran now about the experience of BIHE, it is extraordinary the capacities that it built in these people, the attitude that it fostered, and it really is a striking example of, you know, the Education is Not a Crime campaign uses the slightly more popular term peaceful resistance, but what we mean and what we're certainly saying along with our Baha'is who work with us is that it is a form of constructive resilience because you're showing resilience, you're not letting something push you over and dominate your life, and you're building something more out of it. So it really defines the term. These Baha'is would, for example, if there was a raid, and there have been major raids on Baha'i homes to arrest and jail teachers and students of BIHE, and there have also been perhaps smaller arrests from time to time. One of the BIHE students that I was speaking to said that when their teacher was arrested and put in jail and all the materials confiscated, they got together for class just the same. And their whiteboard, even their whiteboard, had been taken away. So they had a kind of an internal door in their living room that had a series of glass panels. And they would just close that door stick a piece of paper over each glass panel, and that became their whiteboard. And they would continue studying together despite the fact that they didn't have a teacher. And this was just the attitude. It didn't seem remarkable to them in a way. They didn't make a big emotional song and dance about it. They just said, this is what we have to do, because they had a commitment to the process. The response of the Baha'i community to oppression draws on a conviction in the oneness of humanity. It recognizes the need for coherence between the spiritual and material dimensions of life. It is based on a long-term perspective characterized by faith, patience, and perseverance. It at once calls for obedience to the law and a commitment to meet hatred and persecution with love and kindness. And ultimately, this particular posture the Baha'is have adopted has, at its very center, an emphasis on service to the welfare of one's fellow human beings. Diane Alai again. I think today in the world with all the very difficult events that are happening and with the breakdown of some communities that people would not have thought that they could break down so easily, we've come to realize that living side by side is not enough. It's really to live together and know one another. And the best way to know one another is to start working 
for the betterment of society. It doesn't have to be society in a large concept, but just maybe your neighborhood or your street or your city, whatever it is, whatever dimension that has. But this is how people get to know one another. And I think that as the Baha'is have begun to do this in a more conscious way in order to respond to this oppression, the Iranians also have started to know about their fellow neighbors who are Baha'is, understanding that all the lies that have been spread, because also the Iranian government and the Iranian clergy have spread a lot of lies about the Baha'is. And clearly, if you don't know someone, if you have never had the opportunity to meet that person, to know what the spiritual characteristics or the moral values of this person is, well, how would you know if these are lies? So therefore, it is really by the involvement of the Baha'is in the life of the community and in, in the betterment of that community that has created this incredible response from the Iranian. Since the dawn of the Baha'i faith nearly 200 years ago, persecution of the Baha'i community in Iran has taken many forms. An open letter dated 6 September 2016 to Iran's president from the BIC draws his attention to the economic oppression faced by the Baha'is there. The letter highlights the stark contradiction between statements espoused by the Iranian government regarding economic justice, equality for all, and reducing unemployment on one hand, and the unrelenting efforts to impoverish a section of its own citizenry on the other. Diane Alai continues. Since the beginning of the Islamic Republic, Baha'is have not been allowed to work in the public sphere, but now also in the private sector, after trying to put pressure on Muslim employers to dismiss their Baha'i employees and trying to have businesses not renew licenses for the location of Baha'i businesses, the last act of this uh, economic persecution by the government against the Baha'is is to close the shops that are owned on Baha'is simply because they close on Baha'i holidays. Baha'is, like any other religion, have holidays. And so the Baha'is also have nine holidays. And it's not like they're so numerous that the shops are closed continually. It's just nine, nine days a year. And the Baha'is simply close their shops. They don't also advertise that their shops are closed because it's a Baha'i holiday. And this is a sign, I think, of the, the real intent to persecute the Baha'is with any excuse is that now the Iranian government has found this excuse of this shop being closed just on a Baha'i holiday that nobody knows is a holiday except the Iranian authorities to then seal these shops and not allow the Baha'is to open. So I think that this is really widespread. You know, the special reporter on freedom of religion of the UN on freedom of religion or belief once coined the term, he said the Baha'is are, are persecuted from cradle to grave because even Baha'i cemeteries are desecrated. Even in the face of this continuous persecution, it has always been the aim of the Baha'i community of Iran to contribute to the progress of the nation. Initially, the Baha'is sought to make this intention clear to officials and other leaders in Iran. Only after their patient and persevering efforts were unable to curb the violence and unjust treatment did the international Baha'i community step in, drawing attention to this ongoing injustice, while the Iranian Baha'i community itself sought creative ways to fulfill basic functions. The Baha'is of Iran, first and foremost, want to contribute to the advancement of Iranian society around them. And so I think that uh, many, many of them decided that despite the persecutions that they face in Iran, they want to remain in that country in order to help for the advancement of the society around them. The Baha'i response to oppression is not oppositional and ultimately strives toward higher degrees of unity. Its emphasis is not only on collective action, but on inner transformation. This strategy is a conscious one employed by the Baha'i community, 
going beyond the tendency to react to oppression, war, or natural disaster with apathy and anger, the Baha'i response counters inhumanity with patience, deception with truthfulness, cruelty with goodwill, and keeps its attention on long-term, beneficial, and productive action. The Baha'i Institute for Higher Education embodies all of these elements. Salim Vayankur again. I always find it wonderful that Maziar Bahari, who started the Education Without a Crime campaign, he describes the Baha'i Institute for Higher Education as an educational miracle. I think it's great that it's somebody who's not a Baha'i who says that because it acknowledges with no bias the fact that Bihei is an extraordinary achievement. And I was thinking about this with some, some friends recently, and we realized that perhaps it's the least known, longest running, and most successful form of peacefully answering oppression that history has seen. The example it sets for this particular Baha'i attitude to whether it's answering persecution or just, I think, answering the forces of our time, the challenging forces of our time, where we try and have an attitude and a posture and a response of constructive resilience, it is the best example that I, I know so far. Despite efforts by the government in Iran to shut down BIHE, today it offers nearly 40 different programs in the arts and sciences and has served thousands of students over the course of the last three decades. For more information, visit news.bahai.org.